nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening and welcome to SA Soccer Roundtable. My name is Harry. Uh, running a little short tonight. Uh, just Rafa and Rafa's uh, playing about 50%, 60%. Uh, probably 90%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe you went to a concert last night, so it sounds like you uh, you know, smoked two packs today, but uh, you know, thank you for here. Uh, unfortunately, Royce uh, and the family are, are, are down ill again. Um, so uh, hopefully, speedy recovery for uh, Royce and the family. Uh, you know, for that here, uh, kids going back to school, new germs uh, into the family. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I know AJ and Anna just started high school today, so we will see. Uh, Anything going on with you, uh, Rafa, besides uh, you know, reliving some uh, youth last night? Yeah, I was saying, saying Def Leppard's and Molly Cruz and Poison's Grease hits last <laughs> night. <laughs> so, and, and and probably over fifty thousand other people there too. So it was it was it was a good show. It was a good show. Wow, fifty thousand! You know, wow. Yeah, it was. I think it was sold out. So, I mean, there was not a seat empty. So. I like to see that at one of our SCFC games coming up, especially against San Diego. But so it was a good, it was a good, good show. But <coughs> looking forward for for tonight's show with all the with the craziness on Saturday and stuff to talk about. So Matt, uh, let's go. I was almost going to reach out to you, but I thought Robert was going to be um, Robert may busy, maybe busy with work or something. Like said here. Uh, Unfortunately, he hasn't shown up yet, but he may show up. We will also be having a guest, uh, uh, Soccer by Brian. Uh, Mr. Brian Cook covers uh, Indy 11 um, for that here, so big fan. Um, has worked, uh, I believe, in the media or along those lines in the past. Uh, you know, asked him if he's doing anything officially, and at this point he's not. But uh, looking forward to kind of having that discussion in the Jordan Farr uh, return back to Indy. Um, you know, I know he is still loved uh, by indie fans uh, up there, and, and you know, you know, of course, if you know Jordan, he has nothing but respect for uh, his time up in, in Indianapolis. So uh, that should be interesting. Uh, an old uh, NASL matchup uh, for us that have been around long enough. Sure, he doesn't miss the snow either. <laughs> but I'm assuming he'd probably enjoy the wet weather a little bit uh, during the summer uh, a yeah. lot better, but. Uh, so, first uh, thing, as always, initial thoughts on the week. Uh, anything cool, interesting uh, that you did? Uh, well, when I got back home from the game, I was able to, to kind of tune into the the Classico Hoven, the Amer Club America Cruz Azul game, which is always a big game. And, man, they really went out on this game because 
the, all the theatrics that they had. Well, Club America put a pounding on them. They scored. They won seven to zero. Yeah, that was and the game every, that a touchdown was scored. Uh, I saw. Yeah, and then every time they scored a goal, I was surprised that they even did it because they've never done this before. They were shooting bombs and flames behind the goal. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I think we need that at our at our stadium. <laughs> goal. It's just a thought. Well, <laughs> so. well, at the end of the show, we'll discuss. But uh, you know, if they're having issues with flags, there's no way we're having <laughs> other stuff. So, uh, so. Um, any uh, any cool college things that you went to? Um, I didn't get to go to. Yeah, I didn't get to go to their game, the Sunday game, because of the show. I, I think they played Texas Southern, so I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure they got it. Went on that one, and, and there's some other teams that'll be coming up. Hopefully, we can check them out. Like 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 Texas A&M, San Antonio. I think they're going to start their season pretty soon. I think Trinity is as well. Trinity, and, St. And St. Mary's, UIW. Yes. So UIW. I, know the, I know the Athenians. Former coach, uh, mm-hmm. is was coaching UIW. Yeah, he's uh, the I think the interim coach. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully that success he had with the Athenians, you know, kind of rubs off on the on the UIW girls and should should have a good season. So hopefully they can get, you know, into the conference tournament and win it. And I, I know UTSA, same thing with them. I think they're a lot different team from last year, a lot better. I know they had a little setback with one of the games we went. Yeah, you know, with a tie with Houston Baptist, but I think I can see the talent level there. It's a lot better. They're more physical, they're a lot faster. They just kind of need a piece of, and I think when the time they'll piece it together, I think uh, Conference USA better look out for them because I think I think they're going to contend this year. Yeah, and there's some quality in in uh, CUSA soccer and and like said, especially next year when they step up to the AAC. Uh, I believe they have a pretty strong soccer conference as well. I'll have to mm-hmm. do a little bit more research on that, but. Um, outside of baseball, I think most of uh, the sport is a step up. Um, I do know CSU, uh, CUSA is very strong in baseball, and I think that's the one one sport where you may uh, have have kind of a weakness on. Um, before we get into the San Antonio FC, uh, we'll just kind of do the news and notes a little bit here because uh, you know we're going to have uh, Brian come on around eight eight fifteen. Um, but just your thoughts here, coaching, uh, coaching drama um, in USL Championship. Uh, we had Rick Chance that was fired. Uh, then Juan Guerrero was placed on a leave of absence uh, from the Oakland Roots. Um, and then there'd been rumors, kind of a worst kept secret that, you know, you know, and he came from Rising. So I understand the ties. Uh, today he was officially announced uh, by Rising. Um there may or may not have been some compensation, depending on which side that you speak to. Um, but I think on how the article uh, is written, I do think there was some sort of compensation paid. And also the first uh, one of the first assistants from the Roots um, is going to be going down to uh, Phoenix. They got 10 games. Uh, they play, uh, they play uh, uh, El Paso, who uh, um, are uh, doing what Tom Petty did, it, you know, sung about and free falling. So uh, they're free falling down the standings, and uh, we'll see if they can stand back up. The other big news: uh, former Houston Dynamo coach uh, Tab Ramos was hired by Hartford. It's a good coach. Uh, you know, I was talking to Red from Four Fifty One Podcast, or you know, we tweeted a little bit. Um, and, and he makes a great point that you know Tab is a little bit still raw when it comes to coaching you know he had some decent runs with the with the u20 teams uh, mm-hmm. before that here um 
Although when you look at the World Cup results, probably wasn't the best, but you know he got them to there, which is not something that you know our senior team could do. Um, and then his time in Houston was well, it, it was a disaster. But you know, I don't know if that was on him or more uh, the GM and, and stuff along those lines here. So, um, two questions on Tab: You think it's a good hire by Hartford? I think so because. I mean, what do they got to lose? They've always been kind of like a team that's been on the in the, in the cellar in the Eastern Conference, and so they need to make a make, make a big slash. So why not why not him? You know, you know, you, you bring him maybe bring in some fans, you know, but <coughs> you also you know he's he'll be able to make this team grow and so forth, and also he'll, he's going to end up getting more experience. You know, because he mentioned he's he's a raw coach, and I think coaching USL is going to help that, and I think maybe he see, he sees what you know, what Landon Donald's doing at San Diego, it's like, you know what, it, it just might be a good spot for me to, to kind of build my chops here. And then maybe eventually I'll, I'll get back at the MLS because, you know, you know, with Dynamo was basically a dumpster, dump, as it has been a dumpster fire and still are. And currently is so far this year. Yeah. If you look at the standings, I hate to say that Dynamo fans, but uh, <laughs> not looking at your la- your last year below RGV in the uh, Copa Shield by 0.13 points, which at this stage is a significant amount. Yeah. So that, that itself, you know, it, it's a good move for him. And, you know, you know, as I can say, it's good. I think eventually, you know, we'll maybe see him back in the MLS, but this is a good way to kind of, if he can really build this team, make him at least get him into the playoffs. I don't, he may not get him in the playoffs this year, but if he can build the team, get him in the playoffs next year, you know, the sky's the limit with him. And I want to see, I want to, you know, don't be surprised. He ends up back at MLS. Yeah, and, and like I said, there's already been whispers of Landon possibly getting promoted to uh, MLS. Um, we'll see if, if, you know, I don't think that's going to happen with San Jose. I think they've already, already went a different direction. Um, but he was in discussions with, with them. Um, and I do think that um, the quality that he can bring, he brings name value. Um, which yeah. I think for USL is, you know, is number one, it benefits them because, you know, when he was hired, it hit all the major soccer or soccer media. Um, so it'll be highlight there. Hartford, as you mentioned, I think it's a good marketplace. They just, the problem with Hartford so far, and I don't know if it's an ownership issue paying, you know, paying the money or they haven't been able to keep, uh, keep a coach when they get a quality coach that they, they typically move on quickly or, you know, so, to me, I hope they give Tab time to be able to build it. Um, hope they can develop a youth system because obviously Tab does very well with the youth, you know, in, in coaching the U20s uh, for that here. The other half of that um, equation, Juan Guerrero going to Phoenix. Um, the issue that I have with it, if you're going to be making this move, you should have did it previously. You've got 10 games left. And right now you're five points out of the playoffs. Um, El Paso's in, in seventh at 34th. They're tied uh, for 10th at 29 points. And then, you know, in between them's Oakland, LA Galaxy along those lines. So they do have some games in hand. So it is possible. I just think you give yourself no, 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 uh, no wiggle room uh, for that here. But, you know, we've been discussing even on our show that Rising needed a change. Do you think 10 games is enough to come in and, and reshape the locker room if it's just if they're just needing a different voice? It's it's a fresh start for them, but 
you know, does he have the players that he wants there? That's that's the issue. He ain't bringing you know, anybody else in now, yeah, right? Bring, oh, and, and I don't know if there's even anyone available that's going to fit his system. Um, you saw what they did with um, uh, one of our old, old guys um, shipped him out to Tulsa. Oh, Epps. Uh, Epps, you know, he just didn't fit their system. So, and I, I'm just also kind of wondering if USO, you know, doesn't see some little suspicion here, like any tampering, like, hey, we're going to fire him. We'll bring you here. I know they, I know Oakland got compensated, but it's still kind of, still so kind of fishy that USO didn't, like, hey, this, yeah, this from, kind of from the whispers I'm hearing is they don't, but it's something that they, you know, obviously it's something that they need need to have. Now, I don't know that concrete. Um, there's been some whispers on social media that it was a free, you know, that uh, Oakland didn't get any compensation, which that I do find a little bit difficult to believe. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Oakland, you know, made a lot of money out of it, but I do believe, believe there was some compensation. And then Oakland's still in the fight, too, for that playoff spot. And I was like, to this is, I think that's really going to affect them because if they are losing their top assistant, you know, you know, yeah, they're losing their head guy and a top assistant. So now you're losing your, you know, part of good part of your staff. You know, how is the players going to respond to this? And especially like with us going over there to their place in a couple of weeks, you know, and what turned, what could have been a really tough, difficult matchup now is there's some uncertainty because we don't know the you know as far as the style, mm-hmm. you know, is how is Oakland going to react to this not having Guerra as their coach and having somebody else that maybe are not familiar, they may be familiar with the staff and not familiar with their style of play and so forth. So, you know, is this going to cost Oakland, you know, an opportunity again to sneak in again one of those final playoff spots? I think it does. I, I don't. Juan's, Juan is a, from everything that I've heard is a quality coach. Um, he's got the ties to Phoenix, so I understand why he went back. Um, you know, I, I have, I have no, I have no issue that he is in Phoenix. I have issue on how it went down, and I do think you're going to see in the off season if there isn't rules, you're going to see, you're going to see those rules hopefully implemented, uh, you know, along the ownership. Uh, lines along, along those lines here to to kind of prevent it because it, it does seem a little bit dirty that you're taking mm-hmm. from a playoff competitor the coach and the first assistant you know while in season after if it's after the season your season's over I got no issues with it but during the season especially this close to the playoffs not going to lie to you, it rubs me a little bit wrong, but we've seen this other in other sports as well. Um, Oakland took the, you know, I'm assuming Oakland could have probably pushed it a little bit, um, tied him up a little bit longer, um, but was it worth it in the long run? Where at this point they, you know, they get whatever compensation they got from, from Phoenix. And I think it does build up a little will that, you know, if you have an opportunity for a better job, and, and let's face it, Phoenix is a better job um, than, than Oakland. Um that that Oakland will work within reason uh, for that here. So moving on to San Antonio FC, let's get into that uh, 2-2 draw. Uh, let me ask you your impression before we get into it. Mm-hmm. The Crocketeers, through their chant app, um, had a prediction. Um, I did 3-1, but when I actually looked at most of the predictions, everybody was like 3-0, 3-0, 3-1, wasn't going to be close. It was at that point that I was like, we may be in trouble. And 
our, you know, if you paid attention to RGV, yes, the results haven't been there, but it's not because they're playing poor, poorly on the defensive side. They just haven't, they haven't been able to finish. It was like us two years ago where you had everything but the finishing on here. Um, your thoughts going in, especially at the tailgate, you know, I don't want to say everybody was overconfident, but it, it it didn't have that same feel of of the intensity. Hey, this is the the Copa Teos against RGV. I think everybody's like, hey, it's RGV. They're in last place, and nothing to worry about. When it comes to rivalry games, the records are off the shelf. They're, they don't come into play, and, and I, I'm going to tell you that when I coach in Del Rio. Our rivals will pass. And one year, the year we won district, you know, they're in last place. They brought it to us. And we, we got lucky. We snuck out with a 1-0 win right before the playoffs. And, you know, our kids kind of went in with a big head. And I told them not to. I said, you can't underestimate. Rival games, you can't. They're going to bring out the best of you. You know, because they got something to prove. It's it's about pride, you know. And it's with any rivalry game. You're gonna, it's about playing about pride. You may lose all the games, but if you win that one rivalry game, that's gonna mean that's gonna mean a lot. And and also, you know, Edson meant I think last one we had Edson, Edson made a good point. Like I said, you talked about the defense. You know, the defense, you know, they've been solid. You know, mm-hmm. you watch it's, it's like he said, they get if your offense is not scoring goals, you're gonna get tired. It's gonna worry you out. And you know, and I think I think that was kind of some you know similar to what happened this game late, yeah. Yeah. Like with a big head going in, like, ah, we should take care of business and all that. Like I said, there's no game in any game, you know. I mean, proof. Look, look at the Loudon game, which should have won six <laughs> zero that game. And, you know, even a couple of the, some of the other games beforehand, you know. And you know, if, if you're if you're it's not your night and you're off, <laughs> that's when you you know, especially a rivalry game, you know, you may end up losing it. So. Uh, I, th- I think next year, like so, next time we play a rivalry game, we can't take them lightly because the gloves are off there. You know, it's what we're about, and you know, it's about pride and defending your badge. You know, and that's and that's what and that's what RGV came in. But like I said, RGV still had something to play for because they're, they're not still far away. To play for, yeah, yeah, this, they're still not far from getting into the getting the last playoff spot. And look what they did last year. Nobody thought they were going to get, and they snuck in, knock up a couple, knocked off they, Phoenix. Phoenix and they came to play with us. You know, we took, you know, we took care of business, but still it was still a game. So, so th- those are my thoughts going into this game. I knew it was going to be close. You know, we just had to make sure we take care of business. So line up in the traditional, um, Sam Patino, Dylan up top, Mahoney Gomez on the sides of Boo Hernandez. Cause he's <coughs> out due to suspension. Backline Tainer, Kamiri, uh, Abdul Salam in for Garcia. Second game in a row that Garcia's missed. And of course, uh, Jordan Farr. Um, on the bench, you had Jordan Ambiella, Jordy Delim, uh, Ataf Diaf. Uh, Christian Pirano uh, was on the bench, number 19. Nacho Collier, and um, uh, I forget the backup name of the goalie, uh, not listed on here. So we had a full team. So I want to just address something uh, up front here. We're going to just address it because it was a point in the game. Um, the referee, and, and let me let me just say this. I thought he was poor, but in the key moments, San Antonio got big calls. Like that offsides call on the goal by Eric Pimentel. Mm. 
I don't know if he was offside or not. You know, I know Edson put a clip up after the ball was kicked and it was five yards and, and I believe it's it's uh, Tainer that's, you know, making him on online. To me, it had to be right when the ball was kicked. You know, he was doing what Patino does, which typically is a step outside of what the defenders are. And if he didn't get back across when the ball was kicked, even though he got, you know, got back ahead, that I don't know. And, and um, that is one of the bad things on Toyota Field is the – the the camera position on on those there at that line i thought you know to be honest with you i thought he scored but you know we sat behind the goal so obviously you know we weren't looking down the line but you know san antonio got what seven yellows you know four in the first half you know to me i don't want to go full full out on on the referee because i do think san antonio may you know if you look at it overall um like robert coronado you know, yellow, yellow card for something that's minor, in, in my opinion, that we've seen other people do. And, you know, yeah, but it, 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 it didn't really make doing. a difference, but I'm all like, what, you know, it, it, did, it didn't pay off. Yeah, I understand giving the, the first yellow card. Um, he kind of infringed again and then kind of laughed and, and the ref didn't like that. But to me, to me, the biggest benefit is, and it'll come up in the in the highlights here, is the is the offsides. Your thoughts on the referee? Um, you know, just in general, you know, uh, since Daniel's been on the show, I don't like to attack them too much. But a, as far as for a crowd, the crowd was on the referees this match, and the crowd was on the referee early uh, for that here. So your good thoughts thing, on the referee so we can get that subject, you know, put to bed. Good, good thing we're not in South America because it would have been a lot worse <laughs> for the ref. Um, I, 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 he just wasn't consistent. Like when we noticed, like when we were watching, there were some fouls that they fall on us and they didn't look and they wouldn't count them for, you know, give them for us. They were soft. Yeah, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were soft but then, fouls. But they then reversed, we would foul them and it'd be the same type of foul. And, You'd get a car and this and that. A lot, a lot of it got it just got too ridiculous. I think he got lost in the moment of wanting to be the spotlight of the game, take control because it, it is it was a big it was a big game. You know, it's a rivalry game, and um, but he and, and you know one thing is I'm surprised he's, he's you know he's officiating crew even his fourth referee in the linesman. You know, even at halftime, kind of have a talk to him, say, hey, you know, you're. Normally, like I said, I remember when I used to officiate before I started coaching high school, and we would discuss, hey, what, you know, you do something wrong, or you know, hey, can you help me out here and this and that. There's got to be better communication and so forth. But a lot of those files should have, you know, those cards shouldn't have happened, and uh, that goal that they disallowed. <coughs> I guess it depends on the where the linesman was at, mm-hmm. you know, and he may have been, and maybe he was a step. Ahead before that, but he stood was... by that call though because yeah, you know, we we the what what kind of made it odd is they restarted the game, mm-hmm. and the ref was still over with the AR having that discussion to where we're like, you know, it was almost like a VAR discussion where you know, well, hey, what's what's going on because the play, it, you know, you know, I think Jordan had kicked the ball up and you know they're in there like, hey, no, bring it back and it just just to me, you know, just to be fair, you know. It, and I'll say, you know, I was going to save this towards the end, but for San Antonio, despite getting results, if you actually look at the results right now, they're not playing great. They're not playing as well as they were a month ago. 
Um, I, I think a lot has to do. We're um, we're just playing a bunch of kickball, and and I and I know we're not a position team, but our quality of passing Correct. stinks right now. Yeah, and that's what I mentioned. If you look at the stats, anyone has has a chance to look at the stats. Our our passing accuracy sucks, and we need to have a lot better pass uh, passing accuracy on their side of the field, on their, their end of their inside the box, you know, and that's probably, that's worth hurting why we're not scoring a bunch of goals like some of the other games, but Arisina needs to kind of make a change. You know, he needs to kind of change it up a bit and say, Hey, let, let's play a little more position, but also play, play the ball as far as more as accuracies. Cause there were some good passes, but there were some that should have been good passes, but especially like down the wing, especially when trying to do overlaps, you know, I think there's one of Maloney tried to send one down the line, but her guy or Forbes couldn't reach it. You know, it was just a bad pass. And I think that's something Dean, if you're going to win a championship, you need to have better passing accuracy, especially in the attacking third of the opponent. So that, yes. that's one thing that needs to be fixed. San, and I think the only thing that kept the San Antonio in the match, um, they had 206 passes. Accurate passes was at 63%, and that was an improvement from halftime. In the first half, there had 82 passes, 42 were accurate. Um, in the second half, they they picked it up to 70%. And, and you mentioned that during the game that they had you gotta have your passing's gotta be at 70. If it's at 70 or better, you're typically good. But if you're worse than 70, you know what we saw in the first half is what happened. So because let's, some let's, of those passes led to some of the counterattacks for those goals, which we're, we're going to see. So let's look at the uh, video here. Second here. As we are set to go, it is the final installment of the South Texas Derby in 2022. With Hayden Partan and our entire crew, I'm Dan Weiss. Thanks for joining us here. See Jordan, obviously organizing. This is the RGB goal here. Ben's out. Brought down first time. Pinzon gets it a call and it's in. Chris John on as it takes a deflection. Another area we need to fix is we are bad at defending and corner kicks. Which is surprising. That was a deflected shot. ball, though. But, yeah, yeah. you, you got to give them to RGB. They, they got yeah. it in there. There's something that they killed us here a lot, and, mm. I, and I'm surprised Marcina did not recognize a lot of this. Ward making the run in space, and Ward makes it too. Quality goal by Akeem Ward. My question is, is... He's doing his Nicky Hernandez impression there. Abdul Salam, I think he gets caught on the wrong side. Um, if you see him there... He's looking at he's ball watching instead of looking at the player. He needs to he knows that he needs to cover that overlap. And if he doesn't ball watch, if you go if you go back a little bit, um, on that play, you see how we are the defending the nearest person so to the ball here, and he's, yeah. his head's over here. Yeah, where he needs to be, his eyes on is on that runner or the other defender up top. He should be focused. You know, like I said, he's focused on on the the guy with the ball. And just that play, just got a call bot watching, allowed that overlap to go and hit him to get the – if he's able to not call bot watching for that, he, he cuts off that play. Well, to me, he you can tell he feels the pressure because he's coming mm -hmm. in. But yet you got a key more that's, that's on it, you know, that, that's racing down. 
he's still because you as you mentioned he you know he's he's looking the wrong direction now it's Akeem Ward making the unless Akeem Ward's just faster Ward but yeah no doubt about that one the <laughs> 36 minute Akeem Ward <laughs> but, but it's a heck of a shot though you yeah. got you got to give Akeem Ward credit you know just like uh uh who was it last week um uh, Nicky Hernandez. Nicky Hernandez and his shot, yeah. you know, kind of that same long line there where he, he took advantage of it. So. What, what I noticed in this game is we were allowing a lot of play on the outside, especially wing, uh, overlaps, balls. Marcina never made those adjustments early on, and that's why a lot of like this goal. You know, that's something that we didn't have the last two games. And this was just a little, little unlucky to start and very lucky at the end. That probably our game, the game away for us there. And for the him to miss that Number one, the missed post and the guy following up. This is the controversial play from the RGV side. <laughs> and unfortunately, none of the videos that we can see show there it is. But it wasn't a late flag. It was a flag early. He, he, he had it called right from the start. Yeah, he called it from the start. So he saw something that that caused that, that offsides. I think had Pimentel left that ball alone. Number, I think it was number seventeen. He, he was onside. If he touches it, that's a three. That's a three-zero lead. Shannon was a good play there. I think this goal though gets set up uh, on the from Collier. So he schooled him there, especially right through between the legs. Uh, I know. Shannon, go ahead. So, so Shannon, Shannon's been playing lights out these last few games. I know when Edson did his first show. I haven't watched the second one here. This is one of those moments that when he was talking to us, that RGV on their defenses has that that one mistake or you know those couple of mistakes. He felt that this was one of their uh, mistakes here, where they left Shannon, who's a quality player, um, one on one, and, and of course Shannon, being you know being an international player, has the talent to be able to to finish. Well, he's defending them well. It's just Shannon, but no, just having the one on one, just leaving him one on one. Yeah, but even if you're defending him one on one, I mean that's great. I mean he's defending them all. He's closing the space. It's just Shannon's able to get that the great shot between his legs, and that, and that's tough also to defend. If you're thinking he's going to reach out for a shot and ends up going between your legs, and the goalie, you know, not you know not anticipating that. So like I said, the defender did you know well defending that play, but he just Shannon just made a sweet shot. To me, if Collier hits this on the first time, I think it goes. Well, assuming he doesn't sky it, but I, I have a feeling he buries it. Yeah, he missed. He whipped on that one. And then did a little pro, a little twirl. He's got to pass that, right? Yeah, that or there should have been a foul call in the back because should, should, should he have 
So I guess for you, should he, if he went down here, or do you think yeah, he was the right way to go? But he was able to fight that off, but the ref never gave him a card. Not would have been a red, no, because we still have that defender on the scene. But you see right there, once he kind of did right there, he could have tipped it, pitched up all to the outside. And I think that's what uh, Nacho over here. Believe. Yeah, if he, he touches that little pass, you know, size, size passes that Nacho's got to open net on the, there on the backside. Because look at the space of the other defender. He gives that pass. Nacho's got an open goal for that. And there's the goal is not going to stop that. Yeah, so he shoots it already here. <laughs> yeah. So he would have had to three oh six. Yeah, he needs a little be be a little more patient on that. And I know that he wanted to get it right away, but because on you this one here, he's set he's yeah. setting up the shoot right now. And to and be fair, see, mm -hmm. to be okay. fair, this defender still over here where I think it makes the pass a little bit harder to see um from here. And I think that's why he ends up shooting it directly. But on that play, you see how the goalkeeper kind of inches closer to the to the to the inside to the near post. Once he sees that defender coming, you know, he's gotta he's gotta realize, okay, I have the goalie on one side. I can play it right there. You see Locho uh Nacho asking for the ball there. And it's a tip in. I mean, he gets it, it's a goal. How this isn't nominated for goal of the week, I don't know. Tanner doing his Rich Armstrong impersonation on that one. <laughs> I don't know how he stretched out to that. I mean, that's kind of locks it back back post. Those are those are USL MVP. I think so. I don't think he'll get it, but I think they'll give it. And here's the you know the ref giving him a second card. Second, Robert Carnado was like, "What, really?" <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think the forfeit told him already, and I think that's why I think the the forfeit probably signal, "Hey, boot him out." So, so stat wise uh, for this match here, uh, second here. Uh, possession 58-42, um, not surprisingly, RGV typically has it. Uh, we still outshot them 12-11. to 11. Beach Sot had five shots on target. We had five corners. This is this is the part that I think San Antonio fans are upset about. 18 fouls for us, seven yellow cards. 16 fouls for RGV, four yellow cards, and, and of course the one red. And their yellow cards came extremely late. They did hit the woodwork twice, you know, um, for that here, you know, each keeper had three saves. We talked about the passing. Um, tackles, 19 to 10. Interceptions, 14, 13. Clarence's 19, 17. It was a pretty even game. I think everybody, you know, you know, would agree to that. Now, um, I'm sure if you listen to Down in the Valley, Edson and Jacob, you know, they're going to have a different take on, on the game here, um, especially when it comes to the refereeing uh, for the here. I know Jacob took offense to you know, some of the actions, which, you know, it is what it is. But they, uh, they may say they're up to nothing. You got you got to learn how to put teams away. And that's what I think yeah. Edson mentioned about that, that they've had trouble putting teams away. So the big new the to me there's kind of a couple of big things. Number one, the Tainer goal. Uh, you know, he just has that knack of scoring when the pressure's when the pressure's there. Um, 
Camary coming out at, at the half, I think was a you know was a precaution because he was on a yellow. No Garcia, um, so they're still kind of doing a make uh, makeshift back line, um, but they've got the depth to be able to do it. To me, the biggest uh, news was Christian Perano, um, him coming on at halftime, forty-five minutes. Do you foresee him getting starting minutes quickly? I, I could see that later. Or was this just a game where he had they had to put him on just because? Yeah, you had to put him on. But he did make he did make a make RGV a little bit nervous, you know, because they they know what type of player he is, very shafty, speed wise, great dribbler, you know, cheeky on his passes, you know, finding the space, and um, so I think they were concerned about it because he did open kind of the game up a little bit. But some of the substitutions, I I, I kind of question, you know. You know, do we do we really need to take out Patino at halfway because well, they he took didn't, him out in the fifty eighth minute for yeah, Elliot he still looked fresh. I mean, he wasn't well, running up. I mean, we need. I think he needs eventually, especially in the playoffs. You know, he's got to learn how to play ninety minutes. Well, Royce isn't here, um, but to me, the to me, if if I'm subbing somebody out, it's Dylan. Yeah. Because we needed more, in, in my opinion, we needed more speed. And I think if you're gonna bring in, if you're gonna bring in uh, Collier, you bring him in. You bring him in for you know for Dylan because that's still gonna keep Patino in there. Uh-huh. It still allows that you know, you know his presence on there with Sam. I, I just I just think I just think that 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 would have been been the play. Um, and have a feeling Royce would differ uh, on that here, but yeah. But here's the here's the crazy part, and I mentioned this to you. We have four forwards playing on our on the on our game: yeah. Deuteran, Nacho, uh, Collier, and and uh, and Dylan. And we're like, well, what's what the heck is going on here? Yeah, because they subbed I, out uh, Abdul Salam in the 66th minute and brought in Nacho. And then I think it was um, who Jordy moved back, right? Uh, yeah, was, moved yeah, back. yeah. Well, Jordy came in for Kamiri. Uh, who came? So you had Tanner, you had um, Delem, and then you had. I think they moved Shannon back. Yeah, Shannon Gomez was the one that filled that that third center back role um, on there, and it. You have to admit it worked. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's a winning strategy against all teams, um, but as we discussed against RGV and the height, and, and I think that was the problem that hurt um, Kamiri is their forward didn't even get to his shoulders, and so any contact Kamiri was doing, you know, it, you know, we you know, unfortunately it's unfair against the big guys, but it just the contact looks way worse than what it actually is, mm-hmm. um, you know, along those lines. I know RGV and listening to Edson and them were equally frustrated uh, with the substitute pattern from their side. Um, and this, this isn't the first time that uh, uh, Coach Wilmer uh, Cabrera's had, the, had that issue where um, he's leaving players out there way too long, um, you know, that, you know, down the valley and Edson uh, feels here. But another match where you, you walked away with, with points, 
but I think if you would have said going in that you walk away with a draw, would most would 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 the fans have been as receptive on how it on how it worked out? Yeah, I, I think everyone was expecting on also since they were in the cellar to blow this team out, especially not having Frank Lopez and the troubles that we're having up top. But like I said, when it comes to rivalry games, you, you just can't take anybody lightly. And like I said, RGV came in with a, you know, what do we have to lose attitude? And it was able to get two goals, but, you know, Wilmer, I don't know what's up with his coaching, <laughs> with especially with the substitutions he's made. And he, he just didn't make the right adjustments and, he just he he allowed us to come because you know as we're building momentum we're we're straight, we're getting there we're getting there he just never found a way to um, to kill that momentum and that's why and you know they should have won that game you know we should have lost you know but yeah next- it's, I don't I don't for me I don't think that um, if, if for and and I said this, I, uh, Edson had kind of a after hours after the match uh, Twitter space. Um, I felt like it was one of those games where you know, like in the past, San Antonio was on the other side where they were up, um, and it's a game that they felt like that they lost, even though it was a draw. Where I think mm-hmm. this this time the roles were reversed, where RGV was up and San Antonio came back, you know, with that uh, monster mentality and uh or mentality monsters and came back to uh to uh, to get you know to to get the draw looking at the standings here um brian mentioned that he is on his way in um getting the computer warmed up and you know in indianapolis just like their season it's uh, off to a, a slow start uh for that here so but uh, that that game rgv you know i think that caught that this game could have could haunt them if they miss, you know, as far if they get behind, like a point behind the last playoff spot, you know, they had us on the ropes. Then they, they didn't, they kind of, it was kind of like the Usman UAC, like he dominated the first five rounds and then boom, we hit him with two goals and knocked them out and took them, you know, and took them out. And that's, and that's what happened in this game. So here's the problem for San Antonio. Um, <clears throat> and it's not so much being in the West uh, or pardon me, uh, going to impact them in the West. Uh, hello, Brian. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing well here. Let me run through the standings, and then then we'll uh, bring you on and talk uh, Indy here. So the problem with San Antonio dropping the points on here is if you actually look at the standings for home field throughout the playoffs, the advantage now leans to Louisville. Um, they're at 55 points, 24 matches played. Uh, followed by, you know, and I have to give this team respect here, Memphis uh, at 51 points, although, you know, they got, you know, they lost to uh, uh, Legion, who swept them. Rowdies uh, had a rough week uh, after losing to Louisville, went to Colorado Springs, and um, somehow Colorado found some defense and won 1-0, which is unsurprisingly for switchbacks, especially lately. Uh, Legion uh, in fourth at 47 points. Uh, the Riverhounds um, had a day like San Antonio, where they lost to, or, or pardon me, they tied. It feels like a loss when you you actually think about it, but tied the uh, team last in the standings. Uh, New, you know, New York Red Bulls at 44. 
Uh, Miami FC starting to get some distance, uh, 40 points. Uh, although they play Louisville, they beat Hartford. Uh, Detroit City uh, lost to Louisville on a PK that uh, I guess was questionable despite the uh, home announcers. Uh, that I think was the big story from that match, how they couldn't let it go. Um, Tulsa, the fighting Sam Doors, are, are trying to make a run for it. Still an eighth at, 39, at 31 points. Uh, Detroit City's at 39. I don't think Tulsa can uh, close the gap. Brian's team, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know we'll, we'll talk about their season here, but they're at uh, 22. They are ahead of Loudoun at 21, Hartford at 20, Charleston at 17, Atlanta United at 16, and, and uh, uh, the Wooden Spoon winners, uh, most likely uh, the Red Bulls. Out West, San Antonio's up, uh, still five points on San Diego with the game in hand at 57 points. Uh, San Diego at 52 points. They the, uh, rolled uh, El Paso 3-1 in El Paso. Um, they get Oakland Roots uh, in their next match, which should be interesting with the new, new coach or interim coach. Switchbacks stop their slide uh, with, you know, at 45 points. They get New Mexico next, uh, who are, you know, are right behind them at 42. So that's a pretty pivotal game to see who can get third or fourth. Sacramento uh, suffered a loss to Vegas uh, for that here. So they're at 40 points right behind them. Um, who plays RGV next is Vegas at 37. And then here's where it gets interesting. El Paso is at 34 points, Galaxy at 33 points, Roots at 30 points, uh, Rising and Monterey is at 29 points, Orange County and RGV is at 27 points. So 10 games left for most of them. Um, well, our, well, actually, seven games left for El Paso. Uh, so the, to me, El Paso is in, in, in big trouble. Um, but to me, you know, there's nobody out of it in in the West. If if RGV can get on a good run, Orange County can get on a good run. Uh, Rising, if they can make it get warm, that's that seventh spot is is still open. And I would still even throw the lights in there where you just don't know the consistency of them uh, if they're going to be able to do. Your thoughts on the, the standings there, Rafa? I, I think with El Paso, they, you know, you mentioned about seven games. They're going to have to win at least five of them. If they're gonna at least get that, they play Phoenix. Which, yeah, which right now, well, we'll see what what Phoenix does because, you know, just because they got a new coach doesn't guarantee results. So, <laughs> you know, it, you know, we we've seen that before, but it's it's a it's gonna be a dogfight for the last that last playoff spot, and I'm sure um, as long as we can stay ahead, get that keep it stay number one. You know, we'll, we'll let uh, Oak, um, San Diego worry about that. Because that's what happened last year to Phoenix. They're not, ah, we'll take care of business and they get knocked off by RGV. So, so it's, it's going to come down. And then the East, like I said, I think it's all, it's already kind of shaping up of who's going to, which teams are going to make the, the playoffs. I'll just leave it at this. <laughs> the East has hosted the finals every year. I'm not saying why or how, just, you know, magically, you know, rough, rough night in San Antonio with the referees, Louisville. Is on the other side of the calls from uh, Louis, uh, for, you know, from the referees in Detroit. Just saying um, <laughs> that somehow magically uh, the, the East always tends to host. Uh, host. Brian, welcome. Uh, followed you for many, 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 many years. I think even going back to the NASL years uh, when you had coverage with uh, Indy Eleven, and and I know we're SAFC podcast, but this will be the seventh game between San Antonio and Indy Eleven, where. 
San Antonio does have a winning record, four wins uh, compared to inning, uh, Indy winning two, uh, no draws uh, back in the NASL. So first of all, I'm glad you're feeling much better. Um, if you followed Brian at all, um, you saw that he's had uh, some some health issues here. So first of all, Glad you're up and running and, and, you know, you know, up, you know, back to back. To, I don't know if you're full health yet, but, you know, you're at least getting there. I think I'm like 90 percent. I'd say 90, 95. <laughs> I mowed the lawn today and I normally get tired by that, but I'm really tired by that today. So that was about the most strenuous thing that I've done since I got home. But, yeah, I appreciate that. It's it's been a long uh uh, period of time and i think the biggest blessing i have is there's a chunk of period of time where i don't have any memory of it from getting admitted to the hospital until about i don't know 10 days afterwards i have no memory and my <laughs> wife and her family and my family keep telling me i am incredibly blessed to not have any memory because it was apparently very scary um, so i've been through the ringer to put it lightly but we're, we're glad you're here. Um, yeah, I know you've been a huge fan of Indy for a while. And um, like I said here, it's, it's awesome that, you know, you were able to be on the show here tonight. So before we get into your season, um, to me, the biggest <laughs> news of the year uh, for Indy 11 um, is the downtown stadium uh, set to break in 2023, uh, set well, possible opening in 2025. We know how that works uh, for that here. Um, but it's going to be for men's and women's team here. So, you know, obviously we're not from Indy, but, you know, how big of a deal is that for Indy 11 to be able to get that downtown stadium to where you're not playing at Uwe Bui or, you know, was it the RCA Dome? You know, where the Colts? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's massive, honestly. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, around here, Carroll Stadium is kind of known as Indy 11 Stadium, mm -hmm. even if they don't want to claim it. But I, I think getting their own home and their own brand and having a one location, especially when we had that weird season where they played in Lucas Oil Stadium and then we went back to Carroll Stadium. I think having one location where everyone who attends games or even is remotely interested knows that's where you're going to see the team, I think that is inherently valuable for any level of any sport in the country. So I, it's, I followed it when it was first getting passed and it's, I'm just glad to see it officially become a real thing. Um, and it's, it's going to be awesome. The women's team. And I know it probably still up in the air as far as that. Do you anticipate that being NWSL or more US, uh, USL super uh, Super League, any 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 inside knowledge that you can share on that, if there is any? I don't, I don't have any, I I don't have any inside knowledge. I think if you ask a lot of the fans, a lot of them wouldn't mind to see an NWSL team here. Um, like I think I I really do think that it can have a good strong support, especially because anything that's attached to Indy Eleven for the most part that comes out of it, even when uh, that short run that they had an NPSL team. Mm -hmm. um, the Brickyard Battalion does a great job at supporting any team that comes out of Indy 11 as a brand. So especially when the women's team this year was well supported. So I, I think that uh, the city and the state can support an NWSL team. I don't have any inside knowledge, unfortunately, um, but uh, I definitely think it could be a thing. But it would be awesome with what racing Louisville um, to have an NWSL between Louisville and Indianapolis, if you're not aware, that is 
um, a rivalry that's uh, for the ages. Uh, I forget what you guys call it, but uh, uh, it's a bunch of acronyms that I'm just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> the Louisville Indianapolis Proximity Association Football Contest. I'm never going to be able to say that without stuttering again. But yes, uh, it's LIPA, LIPA, whatever you want to call it, FC. But um, yeah, that would be inherent value in having an NWSL team. So the other big news, which I thought was major news, and I, you know, I'll give credit to Kaler, uh, you know, from uh, hammering down, you know, he said slow your roll as far as with Indy Eleven, uh, but when they brought in Coach Mark Lowry, who I thought had the opportunity for MLS, I don't know if he was ever given, you know, the position, but I think he had the the resume for it. Um, had had a good start, you know, off to a slow start, had the good run in April, and then since then. Uh, things that haven't gone their way here, but your thoughts on having Coach Lowry come in? I know it's year one, probably hasn't got the roster turnover exactly how he wants it as of yet. Um, but your thoughts on on them bringing in Coach Lowry because that was one of the big signings of the offseason. Yeah, I was a big fan of it. Um, and truth be told, when it got announced, I don't think I foresaw it coming. Um, it definitely wasn't something that I anticipated. Um, and I can definitely agree. Um, and I, if you follow me on Twitter, I have said it repeatedly. Uh, this is not the team he wants. Uh, and that's not me getting a quote from him. That's me having followed his uh, time in El Paso and then seeing him here and obviously reading quotes and everything else. This is not the team he wants and not the team he needs. Um, but it's honestly, when you look at the landscape of lower division U.S. soccer, even U.S. soccer as a whole, mm -hmm. he's one of the best coaches in the country. Um, and that's not me being hyperbolic about it. That's me being honest about it. Um, so I think when it got announced, it was unbelievably massive. Um, and especially when you consider that uh, the uh, former head coach, Randy Eleven, was – basically kicked out the door by the fans, let alone the front <laughs> office. Um, I, I definitely think that he was a welcome face, and I think he's been refreshingly blunt about how poor the results have been in interviews. Um, there have been numerous clips where he's just – I think the, the infamous one that I keep bringing up is where he basically said they're not trying, and he said that just standing on the sideline, and I was like, I've, I don't remember having – a refreshingly <laughs> honest head coach on this field. So um, I think when he got brought in, it was unbelievably massive for the club. And I think he'll be uh, exceptionally good for the future. And, and like I said, I think it kind of fed into unfair expectations for Indy 11. Cause I know I had, you know, I was like, well, Hey, they got Mark Lowry. He's automatically going to have them at that playoff level. Maybe not as a high seed, but he'd be, he'd be kind of where Tulsa is. Unfortunately, the you know talking about on-field performance, the last win for Indy uh, was June fourth over Charleston. Since then, thirteen matches, uh, two draws, eleven losses, and unfortunately, seven of those were Indy was held scoreless. So, without going too deep into it, just you know, I know RGV had issues on 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 um, on, on finishing. Um, is that kind of the same thing going on with uh, Indy 11 is just the, the finished product? It's so hard for me because every week that I've seen a loss, I've wanted to look through statistics and try to find, try to find something and try to understand what this team's doing. And it really just simply comes down to putting the ball in the back of the net. And it's so simple to say that. But I think the big thing and the thing I want to encourage any Indy 11 fans 
that, you know, watch this team week to week is steadfast. They have slowly started to get better and get better quality chances. And I think that's all you really can do, even if when you're not hitting it. Uh, I think the best way to look at it and the thing I've always reminded myself was when I was a kid and I played junior basketball, um, I was I was better on defense than offense. But whenever <laughs> I shot the ball, my mom would always encourage me at the end. She was like, you just got to keep shooting. You just you, you got to keep doing it. Even if you're missing every shot, eventually you're going to hit one. I never really made one, uh, but the analogy <laughs> holds true that Indy 11 just needs to keep trying and doing what they're doing and improving and everything else. And I, I think eventually we're going to see a much better Andy 11 team than we've seen in weeks past. God, they're painful to watch right now. Rafa, you're, you have any thoughts? Uh, I know you're more technical uh, on there, but uh, any thoughts uh, technical wise, as far as that you want to bring up with Indy uh, 11, see what they do. Yeah, Brian, what, what, do you, what do you think about Laurie's style as far as his technical play with, with these players? Do you think he has the right players or you just kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm going to build from this until for next season and get the right people from the fits the system that I'm coaching in. Um, I, I again, I, I don't believe he has the right players. And I know this isn't encouraging for some people. I think Solomon Asante, when he played for Phoenix was unbelievable, mm-hmm. but the Asante we're seeing on the field for Indy is like the ghost of that player. Um, I think he's gotten better the last few weeks. I've seen him get better chances and he's getting a little bit more daring, but it's just, I'm not sold that this is the team he wanted. I think this is the team he got. And in the first year of what's going to be a rebuild. And I think everybody that I've been talking to the supporters and everything else keep thinking that a rebuild uh, is going to take a year and then magically it's going to be fixed. And I, I think long-term, you can't rebuild a team at any level in this sport in a year. Um, I think you get really lucky when you can turn it around, but I think wholeheartedly you can't rebuild a team in a year. And I, I don't think this is going to be three, four or five years, but I think when you look back at successful teams from the past, they got, you know, the right players at the right time and the right mixture. So I think guys like Asante are great, but I don't know if that's somebody who really fits what he's wanting to do in that diamond formation, formation, which is what he said he's wanted to use. So Edson has a question here for you uh, asking how uh, Jesus Vasquez is doing. He's a beast. Uh, I love him. Uh, honestly, like I, I don't have any issue with any of the guys that have been brought in midseason. Um, he's been doing great, and uh, I, I really don't have any complaints for him. So this is the first game back for Jordan Farr. Um, obviously, you know, if, if you follow Indy 11, if you follow San Antonio, wherever he goes, he's loved. Uh, you know, he's a great guy, you know, great in the community along those lines. Um so I don't anticipate him getting a poor reception um, initially, uh, but uh, during the game, during the 90 minutes, obviously he's not playing uh, for uh, Team Honda. He's playing for Team Toyota. So uh, <laughs> your, 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 your thoughts on Jordan coming back uh, to Indy 11 and kind of what, what that means for Indy 11 fans and what to kind of expect? Well, I, I think especially at this level, when you look at some of the most successful players that have been in, in any team, let alone Indy, 
the most successful players that have been at Indy have the, been the ones that have not only been good on the field, but have mm-hmm. been good off the field. And I think Jordan embodied that. Um, they had in the midst of the, the COVID season, they had a Rocket League tournament, and I think he joined into that. And I, I just – he's absolutely loved here. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when, when I, I remember going back and seeing the list of players getting retained and everything else, and it made sense at the time. I think Lowry wanted to kind of shake things up and didn't necessarily care. And uh, the problem with retention lists at the end of the year is we don't know the full story all the time. So we don't know if it's a one-year deal, two-year deal, if the player wanted out no matter what. But when he got announced that he wasn't coming back uh Jordan wasn't coming back this year. Um, fans were sad. Yes. Uh, not only was he good in the net, but he was just such a good community person. I think at this level, you need those good community people and good players on the field. It's just, it's a rarity, but when you get those, you want to hold on to it for as long as possible. So I think Jordan's an unbelievable person. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's a great, obviously a great goalkeeper. And I think when he gets here, he's going to be in for a uh, wonderful welcome back to the city, <laughs> even if it's not in the jersey that we want him to be in. <laughs> so I, I will say this, um, and I know this is going to be kind of weird to say, but Matt Cardone getting hurt at the end of the first half of the last game changed the whole trajectory of both for San Antonio and Indy 11, because he came to us on an emergency loan for the playoffs. He got a taste of, of what San Antonio is like, obviously him and his family, you liked it. And that's why they you know wanted to come back or came back down here. It just, just to me that, that one injury just changed everything because I think I do wonder if he didn't, you know, go on that playoff, uh, that, that emergency loan uh, you know, stint in the playoffs because if he's still in, and in the 11 you know, at, at Indy for this year. Yeah. I mean, uh, that that loan at the time, I was kind of shaking my head and rubbing my eyes. I was like, what? Like, Everybody was we're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, I was like, why is Jordan going down to Texas? That doesn't make any sense. So and San honestly, Antonio can bring, you know, have their starting goalkeeper hurt, have a guy that's inexperienced. But yet, bring in another proven goalkeeper from another yeah. team, and that's that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask Brian, did you expect uh, Jordan to play when he got came down here for the emergency loan to play that way? Uh, no. Um, I mean, in the back of my mind, as the fan side of me, in the back of my mind, I'm always like, just don't be good. Just I don't want to <laughs> lose. Just don't, because we had that happen. Um, I think it was the one of the seasons when uh, the NASL was still around. Uh, oh man, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, Christian Nick went mm-hmm. to Montreal and it was the same thing that they had an injury and they were in the CONCACAF champions league. Yeah, and I remember he went that. in to fill that in. And then every time I'm so proud to see these guys that have worn the shirt and embodied the shirt and everything else. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, don't be good. Like, be just average because I don't want you to go there because I want to keep seeing you in that shirt. And that was the same thing when Jordan went down to San Antonio. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like we'll, we'll get to see him. But I'm like, just, just don't let them take you from us. Uh, So, but yeah, no, I I didn't anticipate that he was going to be as good as he was and as good as he is, but you know what? That's the reason that you guys ended up with him. (laughs) And and I talked to Q the smoke when this happened, uh, the podcast, you know, one of the podcasts for Indy 11, they, you know, 
they were so heartbroken, you know, when he left and, and, you know, just because he was such a community guy and, um, you know, he, he's just, just a great guy, obviously for both things there, but yeah, it was, to me, it was surreal, you know, to where we were, you know, we were kind of having communications at that time going, Hey, do you think it's realistic? You think he would? And they're like, no, he's, you know, he's going to be a priority. And then all of a sudden he signed in San Antonio and then we signed a second goalkeeper at the time, um, from, um, uh, Columbia, uh, that, you know, played on, on the Columbia national team, U, what, U20 world cup. Mm-hmm. We're like, uh, oh, first team <laughs> so, uh, you know, cause Brian, or pardon me, not Brian, uh, uh Jordan Stop. didn't start the season at, as, as a starter. Um, he was, he was second until, um, you know, until Christian uh, retired here. Robert has a question here for you. Uh, what on San Antonio are you worried about and why? So either who, what, or, um, what kind of problems, you know, are you worried about from San Antonio? Everything. Um, <laughs> is that not an okay answer? Uh, no, I mean, it's the problem that Indy's had all year is they are very good for 43 minutes in the first half and about eight, like up to the 88th minute in the second half. They just, for some reason, this team is incapable of playing 90 minutes of soccer or 95 minutes or whatever the case may be. So I, I think for any team that Indy's played this season, I'm worried that they are going to have mental lapses during the game. And that's easy because it's a worry that you have every time, but this team has shown time and time again, that they cannot concentrate for a full 45 minutes of either half. So I, I think that's for San Antonio, that's gotta be their key is they just have to look for those opportunities even though I think that they're going to have plenty of opportunities, they have to look for those opportunities because those are the ones that they've conceded the most in. It's just the times where for some reason they just aren't closing down guys right outside the box. They're not pressing hard enough. They're pressing too hard and they're letting a pass go through. It's just playing full 45 minutes each half. Any questions that you have for Brian before we let him go and then we do the uh, wrap up here or any other um, European, I guess this week's European, as far as uh, conversations, uh, you know, with uh, with you, Rafa. <laughs> I was going to ask, um, see, what, what do you think about as far as tactically? What, what should we expect from India Eleven as far as tactically? You know, as far as going into this game. Um, I think the big thing that I I am fascinated by is I've seen their style change game to game, especially as Mark has gotten more aggressive with what he's trying to do. So I think it's just going to see be if Indy gets a strong start, how San Antonio adjusts to that. Um, and honestly, it's I feel like this game, I'm hoping anyway, let me put it this way. I think this game will be, but I'm also hoping that this will be a very good chess match for both sides. Um, the big thing that I haven't, liked is just obviously all the losses that Indians have, but they've stayed competitive. Mm -hmm. And I think the big thing is just if they can hold on to the competitiveness and we can see a good match, that's at this rate, I'm holding on to that week to week is I just want good matches. And I will uh, say coach Lowry has held his own against San Antonio. So He knows how to play, uh, you know, Coach Marcina's system. Um, now, whether he has the horses to do it or not in Indy, that's that's a whole separate discussion uh, for that here. But as, as far as for, you know, coaching, 
he knows what San Antonio is. San Antonio hasn't changed a whole lot under you know Alan Marcina. You know he still runs you know the pretty much the same thing. It may you know change a little bit, but uh, to me uh, the, the chess match that you're talking about between Lowry and Marcina, um, I think will be very interesting uh, to see on here. I know uh, San Antonio is going to be going. I think for a tying uh, USL tying record, 11th win. If, if memory serves me right, so they'll have the ability to tire. They're getting close to that. Um, San Antonio's 10, 0 and three or, you know, 10 wins, three losses on the road where Indy 11 at home and 11 matches is four wins, two draws and five losses. So, <laughs> <sighs> but they've had a rough season, but they're, you know, at, really at home, <laughs> but at home, you know, goals for 12 goals against 13. So it's that one, it's, it's those one Oh games that right now Indy's losing instead of winning right now. Yeah, I mean, I the big thing for me is I, I would love I, – I love seeing any former player, let alone Jordan Farr, being successful. But if he could just not be successful when he's in town, that would be great uh, because, God, we need a break. Um, but, no, it's I, – I think it's going to be a good match, and I think if I'm portraying any message to anybody listening uh, – for Indy, I, I don't think the results dictate or represent the quality of play that they've had. And I think that's something I've tried to hammer home repeatedly is, you know, it's very easy to look at a loss and look at a loss in the uh, a conceded goal in the 90th minute and go, oh, you know, they're losing again and losing again. But I, I think we have seen during this painful streak, I think we have seen a team that has improved over time. And I think it's started to look like a Mark Lowry team, even if it's not, you know, a hundred percent. So I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I, I think San Antonio is probably going to win. <laughs> and yeah, I know well, San Antonio should, well, on yeah. paper, San Antonio should yeah. win, but yeah. I, I'm not afraid was, to admit that. San Antonio was lucky to, <laughs> excuse me, get away against Loudon and, they came back strong against Vegas. You know, as we discussed, they were lucky to get away with the win against RGD. So, you know, they're not quite on the Riverhounds roll right now where you don't know which team's showing up. But this team's not playing its best at this time, you know, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, some of it has to do with tactics, for, you know, from the other teams. Some of it's, you know, player rotation with injury suspensions and, and along those lines. But every team's dealing with that at this point. So um, I think it'll be interesting because this will be, what, the first game in, what, four or five matches where we'll have a Boo and PC uh, available, uh, most yeah. likely. So which which is kind of our you know, heart and soul in the backfield. And we'll see if Garcia comes back. Or, um, although Indy plays on turf, though, right? Um, they just got new a new turf, new uh, turf. laid. Um, that was... It's great to have a stadium announcement and then have a whole new field laid out too. <laughs> um, but they just had new, uh, I, I think it's turf. I don't know if but it's, it's not grass though. It's much better than what it was. As, as, <laughs> as much as I've been told, it's, it's much better than the uh, war zone, uh, you know, craters that were on the field at times. So, uh, but yeah, it should be, it should be a really fun game. And I think the big thing for San Antonio looking at it is, uh, you know, Indy's lost consistently, but you don't want to be the team that gives them a win. Yeah. So it's, it's the danger of playing teams that are underperforming is at some point 
you know, they have to actually perform at the level that they should, and you don't want to be the team that gives them that opportunity. The only way San Antonio has lost this year is when they don't score. I don't, unfortunately, I don't see as much as I like Indy 11. I don't think their defense is as strong to be able to keep San Antonio from, from scoring. That That's yes. now that, you know, stats are meant to be broken and you know, <clears throat> I'm sure, you know, let me knock on some wood here to make sure I don't curse San Antonio, but any questions that you have for us, Brian, you know, you know, like I said here, much appreciated and awesome to get to chat with you, uh, you know, anytime, you know, whether it's on Twitter or, or you know, through uh, the podcast here, any questions you have for us? No, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I haven't gotten to do this in quite some time, so it's great. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I reached out to you, and then I reached out to Q the Smoke, and um, I, I sent a message to John at USL Tactics, and I was like, I think I kind of messed up. And he's like, why? I was like, you're an Indy 11 fan. I could have asked you, and then we could have expanded to all of your great information that you have. But yeah, he's much know, smarter than me. He, he just does so board. much, you know, right now. And then and he's, you know, he's like, but I forgot you were an Indy 11 fan. And he's like, well, that's actually a compliment because you know, before that year. So, yeah, um, he's but, much smarter than me. So I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, I don't so know I about that. I, that. I think when you get back into the swing of things, uh, you know, you'll be doing good. Get off, uh, you know, well, I won't say get off football manager, but uh, I know that, <laughs> you know, that'll never happen. But uh, uh, no. it, it's it's fun following you and in, in, in your seasons on football manager going, I should do that. And then I do it. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm just not that analytic type of a guy to hang out, from, you know, year to year to year like you do. So win that Champions League one year. Uh, it's, been take, it's been a decade, but I'll win it one day. I get frustrated, and then I do the whole edit, and then I'm like, yep, okay. Yep, Harry's team's stacked again. So. <laughs> Harry was frustrated all this this past spring with my team, with my team winning, coming back. <laughs> uh, so if you want to hang around, Brian, yeah, like I said, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, if you need to bail, you can. Rafa, yeah. um, any any uh, world world soccer that you, that we need to talk about here uh, this week? Um, uh, just co- I know there's some Concacaf games. Uh, actually, some what, FIFA dates coming up in September. I think there's some key uh, games for men's or women's. For men's, I believe. Uh, I did see some of the women's U twenty. I think Brazil and. Japan were in the semifinals, and I think the Netherlands and Spain. So those are your final four teams for the for the women's World Cup for for under twenty. Are the 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 ladies from Mexico just fell a, fell a game short, you know? But they they got that big win over Germany, so so that was a huge win, yeah. That was a big win for them. So that's a good building block for them for the future to build. Well, they had a poor they had a poor Concacaf, but mm-hmm. qualifying. For the World Cup, right? Or Olympics? Yeah, I forget the, which one that they yeah. finished last, I think, which was surprising. Well, like second, I think they just missed out. I think they were like in the third spot, like the fourth spot or something. Then they, they made some firings and there and there were some there were some investigations with the teams and some monkey business. And so they cleaned house. And I think I don't know who's going to take over for the main for the women's team, but I'm sure I'm sure they'll probably hire someone within and hopefully they can re- rebuild. But you know, you got to be optimistic with this U20 team doing what it did. You know, getting to the quarterfinal, you can use those players and build and build them. You know, build that that momentum forward. I'm trying to see what the next schedule is for Concacaf. And 
believe you're right. Yeah. Just and then we had a big game today, Liverpool and Man U. Saw that Liverpool. Uh, they're in trouble. Oh, it seems kind of weird to say, but they're kind of in trouble, aren't they? I think they shouldn't let go Sonny. <laughs> Sonny's he's killing it in Germany, but you know with with the Bayern Munich. But Manu is not back. Let me let me just no. stop that. Manu is not back. Um, uh, you know, you got a five what five nine center back, and yes, you know he's a quality center back. But for EPL, going and against, they, yeah, and I know they got Casemiro the solo from from Real Madrid, but he, he he's not gonna make. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what he's thinking. I think he wants to play. Uh, uh, Europa Mets, champions. Man, Man United won. We're back. Yeah. Man <laughs> U's like Man U being back is like University of Texas being back. <laughs> That's why I'm a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I almost got beat up in the uh, parking lot for you know, the Chris. <laughs> Shout out to Chris. Chris was like, hey, what? <laughs> Are you other, other, me? <laughs> yeah. I think another big game. I think. Finally, Barcelona won a game. <laughs> I think Lewandowski had a brace, uh, but they were they were they were in a tough spot with Real Sociedad. And then, um, what do you say about Real Madrid? I don't. Did they ever were they able to bring in the players? I know you follow. Uh, Le, yeah, uh, Liga. but there's still some. Yeah, they, they were able to register them, but there's still some controversy, you know. And and I understand. There's I've heard from everybody like, well, you need them. If you don't have them, then it's basically a farmers league and so forth. True in the say, but you know you you as a club president, you know you got to know how to take care of your books as far as money wise, you know. And I I kind of find it disrespectful that they're not honoring, you know, contracts. Well, I need you to take another pay cut or this and that. You know, this isn't the NFL. You know, you made that contract with them, you honor it unless they're, they're guaranteed willing. contracts, right? They're not like the, it's like the NBA where you sign it, you get it. <laughs> yep. So, and I think the one thing I don't like is how they're doing with Frankie De Jong, and mm -hmm. that and that can mess up his World Cup. You know, you know him not really getting playing time. You know, if they kind of put him in the doghouse, that'll affect him as far as getting called up for his you know national team play to get ready. Because you you got to look at it this way: all these teams right now, these games, it's preparation for the for the World, World Cup, Cup right now. Yeah. There's not going to be that many. FIFA FIFA days to play other teams and so forth. And I think I think like Mexico. I think they're playing that. I think they're playing Brazil in one of the games, and I forgot who else. And I forgot who the USA is going to play. Speaking of Mexico, they lost a key component of the World Cup uh, team. Yeah, correct. Tecatito, yeah. But you know, I've seen the last year and a half. He just has not been consistent, and and this might be a blessing in disguise, and maybe this allows someone else to come in and step up the one player that's really been stepping up and and he showed it on Saturday on that on that seven to zero win over Cruces so is um, Henry Martin from Club America he's he's been on a roll I think he's leading I think he's one of the I think he's in the top as far as leading goal scorers for Liga MX and I know he's being looked at by a couple of European teams but you keep an eye on him I think this is probably going to be an opportunity for him to get into that team and 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 step up and show you know, I think a lot of them want to show what they can do. And, you know, there is a transfer window in January and, you know, teams are going to be shopping to, you know, to get ready to kind of bulk up the, for, you know, for Champions League in the spring. So there, I got, I'm going to do my final thought here. Let me see if I can find it here. 
There you see the wreck. Let's see if I can get a better. We'll see if you if you've seen this highlight here. If I can find it here. But, uh, I mentioned about Jose Shots and Jose and his team. They've been killing it. The whole little yeah. thing like the first division. Well, they've actually had a rough couple of uh, slots here. Where did it go here? Why don't you do your final thought, and then I will do sure. mine here because I'm trying to find it here. Oh, here we go. I, I think my final thought is, you know, you probably talk about this too as well. Um I think I think our, our club team, especially people that work in the, within the stadium, need to have a better understanding of the soccer culture. And when you have people that don't know that, it's going to cause issues, and and that's how you lose fans. And if you want to fix that, you want. And like I said, we did see a lot of empty spots on the on the, in the stadium, and and that's and we've been seeing that constantly. And that shouldn't be happening right now, especially right now we're in first place. You know, we should at least have a filled stadium. First place and our attendance average is a thousand less than we had before COVID. Now, some of that may be, you know, just budgets are a little tight, inflation along yeah. those lines, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> a lot of it I put on the marketing, which we've kind of discussed, but there is a spectra, uh, a huge amount um, on stadium staff security mainly and interactions with long-term season ticket members um i know the checks had an issue with their flag i know we had issues with our flags that we've had flags for at least the last three years and it's never been an issue you know the checks have always had a flag you know especially going out home or away yeah um you know, ha have had flags out, and unfortunately, this last match there was issues with security with it. To be fair, I did reach out to San Antonio FC. Um, they said that they're going to look at it. You know, there hasn't been a change in policy al along those lines here. Um, but it's that consistency, I, I think that 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 the key that that you're looking for is if it's if it's acceptable for 12, 13 games, however many that we've played at home. Um, why is this one, why, why is this game different? Um, and you know, it, it's not a complaint of, Hey, the people behind you can't see, cause that wasn't the reason. And I don't, you know, usually when we're doing it, it's when a goal is scored or, you know, something along those lines, it's not like we're just standing up the whole game blocking the people behind us. Yeah. Um, it just, it's, and you know, it's something that I, you know, I think that, as a season ticket member, it kind of makes me sad um, because if you take people, they have a great time. You and I were talking about this um, pre-show here. Um, season ticket membership between supporters group, you know, looking at Mission City. Um, we estimated at one point they had a high of over 100 approximately. Now we're like at maybe 20 or less. Um, Crocketeers, its season ticket membership is lower. Um 210, you know, 210 Alliance, you know, and part of it has to do with that, that, you know, the, you know, the, 
their leadership moved uh, to Portland on it. They're, they're, you know, you know, their membership has also gone down among supporters. Um, yes, you know, I, I've heard at points that you know, 2017, 2018, um, SAFC had between three to four thousand season ticket members at that at that time. I think we're lucky if we have 1,500 to 2,000 at, at this point here as far as season tickets, um, season ticket members. And I think a big, you know, if you look at the prices, yes, they've gone up, you know, especially on the sides, you know, the, the west and east side. Um, the bunker, I don't believe, went up. And, and I don't believe, our, you know, our section on the north side went up. Uh, I think it went up a dollar, I think. I believe, oh, down on the bunker. No. So, but yeah, everywhere else in the statement went up a dollar per game, which is, you know, 17, 20 bucks. Um, but that adds up if you got more than one seat. So, uh, for right here, but to me, I still think it's the best value in the game. I think nine, 99 out of a hundred, you know, it's a great environment. Security is awesome, but it's, it's those one time that has it, that, that leaves that bad taste. We already had a big issue, you know, when it was the Austin match, you know, especially on the supporters. <clears throat> this one here, I don't think it hasn't blown up just because I don't think people are pushing the issue as much as they used to. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, or, you know, do they, do they not care as much? Or is it, you know, just like, hey, nothing changes. And, you know, I'm not here to bash uh, San Antonio FC or anything along those lines. Um, I have good communication, you know, with, with the team. Uh, you know, when it happened, I was, you know, you know, we were polite to the security guy. We were polite to the, you know, the supervisor that came over who didn't want to come over to talk to us. But I was like, no, if, if you're sending the security guy to come over saying, hey, you need to enforce this, you need to come over and explain why, you know, what, you know, why you're doing it but you know we, we we stopped waving the flag we we abided by by what you know what they asked um but i did tell them that you know hey i'll reach out to san antonio was like go ahead and i was like all right i did <laughs> so and and, and like that here um much appreciated with the communication i got from san antonio fc uh, when it comes to it but as far as on the macro level it, it hurts. It, it hurts the season ticket members. It hurts. You know, you know this. Mm -hmm. It hurts people wanting to 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 number one re re sign up for their season tickets. Number two, if they stop, they're gonna find other avenues to be able you know to be able to go um, to different different venues. Like you went to a concert. You know, hey, do I go to San Antonio FC or do I go to a concert on on Sunday for you know for a reason? So, or they um, go up ninety miles up thirty five to the. To, the of, to, to Austin, and I've been to an Austin Austin FC match. It's it's hella expensive. Um, number one, but number two, it's I don't care for the team, and and you know we we've already discussed the MLS USL relationship, and I've kind of soured even a little bit more right now on watching uh, MLS matches for that here. But if you go up there, it is a, it is a good, it is a fun event. Um, just because the environment, you know, I'll give credit to, you know, to the supporters group, um, you know, in Texas, they are probably, and we saw it, we saw it in our, you know, when they came down to San Antonio, they brought down 500 people 
that was the liveliest that Toyota Field has been. Part of it had you know had to do with you know hey it's San Antonio Austin, and part of it had to do with Las Verdes and Austin Anthem coming down, bringing the fans and, and bringing a great environment into where we had to step up our game on our side. So it's it just to me it's one of those it's one of those that. I just chalked it up. Hey, inexperience, you know, whatever guy having a bad day, you know, but the problem is they keep happening. And I think that's kind of your point on it here. I'll let you finish out your thing here. I, I you. think, I think another issue as far as the disconnect is, is like, you know, the Copa Tejas uh, celebration. I think we should have celebrated that during halftime. You know, we had fireworks at the end and so forth. I think, uh, you know, we could have celebrated that, bring up all the leaders from the three groups having there be present the trophy to PC because when they present at the end of the game, more wasn't really paying attention to it. They're more paying attention to, you know, to, to the getting ready for the fireworks and like, it kind of lost They're like, Hey, this is important. We won. This is our first ever trophy. You know, we could have even done it even before the game, you know, have the players walk out with, you know, some, you know, our three, you know, our three supporter group members, walk out with the team with the trophy and hand it to the captain and so forth, you know, and make it a big celebration. I think that would have livened up the, the game a little more. You know, I think there's, like I said, there's a disconnect, you know, from, and I'm not trying to bash them and so forth. That they need to find a con better connection with the fans. And I see with the other clubs, the one I see a lot is was El Paso. I think they have mm -hmm. a really good El Paso does a great job. And, and I think they need to take a page from them as far as, you know, how to connect with your fans and so forth, because, being a first place team, we should have a lot more fans on the stadiums, and we're not seeing that. And then there's also more better support for all our three supporter groups as well, too. And I think Matt kind of puts it here. It's one of those if they don't care what you know, why win? That's how how I see it. So as far <laughs> as with the Copateas, so Copateas, I've bit my tongue on it. Um, I just. It was disappointing. I'll just leave it at that. Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think the fans or the supporters group got to celebrate it the way it should have should have mm -hmm. happened. Um, to me, part of it had to do with hey, we wanted it in El Paso um, for that here, but and and, and you know, as, as we found out with uh, Austin winning the the um, the uh, you know, Copateas MLS trophy up in Dallas. They didn't do it on the pitch. And, and I understand why they didn't do it. And the checks got to go to the locker room and it was a cool experience for them. And the pictures were awesome. But for the fans, because that's what it is. It's a supporters group. It's a fan-driven trophy. I don't think the fans got 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 their fair share with it. Um, with that here, I'll just I'll leave it at that. It's so. kind of like the high school games, you know, when they win the playoffs, you see them after the game, someone hands them the trophy and they're celebrating not only with the team, but also with the fans that show up to the game. So uh, hopefully they can, they can, they need to fix that. And they can say, hopefully we do go, go back to back Copa Tegas champions next year and, and have a lot better celebration. Cause it is an important cup because it is the first one we've ever, this is the first trophy we ever first won. trophy, yeah. You know, so it, it mean it means a lot. It should mean a lot to the, to the club and also to the players. Cause look at the hard work they've done. You know, and also the hard work with the, with the supporter groups too. You know, cheering them on. You know, so hopefully that can that can improve for next year. Uh, hopefully, um, my final thought because my daughter's getting ready to. Uh, the internet went off and she's not happy, so uh, we got to get off before the world breaks here. 
Uh, wanted to show you this. I don't know if you saw this highlight uh, for it here, but this is my final thought. And uh, take a look. There you see the records and the point totals. Omaha with just the two defeats all year long. As that long ball bounces over Holiday's head and bounces a goalie the goal. back of the net. What a start for Union Omaha. <laughs> 30 seconds in. Who got the final touch? Who cares? Is that Kevin Baker's goal? Is that a goalie goal? I think it is. <laughs> and this is courtesy of uh, League One Twitter. Nobody expected this. All the way through. Oh, come on, keeper. <laughs> You're a keeper. You're a keeper. Just one of those one in a million shots, right? Yeah. He, he just cut, he caught it's a little bit of bad luck. Again, it's a strange pitch. I mean, hopefully, hopefully you try to score, try to score on him back, you know, do like goalie wars or something. Bounces over Holiday's head. Should have done a bicycle kick there. He could have probably cleared that out. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, that that's my final thought. Like I said here, it's, you know, I know we kind of had the heavy subject here. Uh, the goalie goal, you know, you know, you see those maybe once a year in all of football uh, yeah. for that year. So. If, uh, if Jordan's congrats. watching, you can hopefully you can do one at any on Saturday. Uh, so, but yeah, so uh, USL League One, Twitter, obviously YouTube. Uh, you know, uh, um, it's it's it, it was a heck of a goal, and and like I said here to me, probably goal of the year for uh, League One, most likely. It, you know, it's their first keeper a goalkeeper goal in league history. Uh, so yes, Jordan, the the bar has been raised. Uh, not only do you got to have great saves, but uh, we are now expecting one goal a year from you um, as well. So, or at least an assist. I'll take an assist, and he's came if, close if he's, a couple of times. Yeah. If he scores, he's gonna have to do two flips, you know, <laughs> two flips in a row, or yeah. just you know. <laughs> and a shout out to, like I said, him jumping in the stands on Saturday. Too. Oh yeah, I was like, get hurt. We need you for the playoffs. <laughs> So, but Rafa, thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you to Brian. Uh, you can follow uh, Brian Cook at Soccer by Brian. Uh, like I said, here's a great, uh, you know, great um, supporter of Indy 11. Um, and I do think he'll probably get back into, uh, you know, because he used to write and do other stuff uh, for it here. Uh, but uh, like I said here, hopefully he gets back um, to covering the game like he wants. Um, if you do follow him, expect a lot of football manager uh, uh, tweets and discussions and, and stuff like that, which, you know, like I said here, it gets me interested ever a little bit. Uh, the game for Indy 11 um, is an early game at 6 o'clock. Uh, so unlike the West Coast games, this one will be an early one here. I don't know if the Crocketeers uh, have uh, came to it. And um, I did get a uh, slap on the wrist uh, from here. Uh, that I've been saying it's it's the Crocketeers uh, that have supported Copa Tejas when it's actually the Crocketeers and 210 Alliance that two supporters groups are in in the you know in the San Antonio market uh, you know help support and promote Copa Tejas so I do apologize uh, for that here and I'm sorry uh, for that here but uh, Rafa it's been fun hope you have a wonderful day uh see you next week uh, we'll have to see if we do a watch party or something this weekend uh, either go to one or maybe do one uh, impromptu on Saturday night uh, uh, for yeah. here, but thank you. What's life without goals? We're out of here. Peace.